Well, good morning, church. I'm going to say, Happy Easter, and then would you join me by saying, or, or I'm going to say, Jesus is risen. Will you say, he, he is risen indeed? Here we go. Jesus is risen. Awesome. Yes, what a joy to hear all of you say that. I, I was wondering if you'd say it enthusiastically, and you did. It is good to be here in this space on this special, special morning to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And I know many of you who've come with some family members, especially warm welcome to all of you who brought moms and dads and sisters and brothers and friends. God bless you. I pray that you leave this place uh, having been filled up by the love of God and by the message that Jesus lives. You know, as uh, I go about my week, I tend to stop at a local coffee shop once in a while. Some of you know that. And in that coffee shop, I, I encountered this. Have you ever encountered where you sat down with somebody, started a simple conversation, and all of a sudden it got awkward because they wanted to talk about something that... Uh, you, you just knew they had an agenda behind it. Well, it wasn't too long ago that I started to have a quick chat with somebody I knew at a coffee shop, and they started to talk about what was important to them and their agenda, and that agenda was to talk about uh, a conspiracy theory. And that theory was all about the pandemic. Who started it? Why was it brought about? You know, some of you are rolling your eyes. You've maybe even had a, a conversation with somebody. And uh, I did my very best uh, to affirm his right to that. But in the end, it, what was awkward was I was made to feel like I was really, um, I lacked intelligence for believing what they believed. It's very awkward. But it was a conspiracy theory. You know, that's one theory. There's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there. John F. Kennedy's death. Who assassinated JFK? Uh, what happened? Who, who's behind the 9-11 tragedy. Um, the, uh, the moon landings. Have you ever heard that moon landings are fake? Fake, aren't they? Well, that's a conspiracy theory. And my greatest conspiracy theory that I love is that Elvis is still alive. <laughs> Elvis, are you in the building? I don't think he's here with us today. Uh, to the greater extent, these conspiracy theories don't affect me or have really any major impact in my life. But today we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And uh, there are some who allege that the resurrection never happened. That's their conspiracy theory. Now compared to those other ones, the conspiracy theory that says Jesus never rose from the dead does have a significant impact on my life if, and only if, it's true. Do you follow? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there's serious implications to my eternity, to our eternity. Yet I have the utmost confidence, and I think that you as well do, uh, as well, that Jesus has risen from the dead. And my scripture, or, or my confidence, comes from the scriptures. Because I believe this is God's inspired word. God worked through men to share his heart, to have us have something in our hands that we could live our lives confidently by. And this book, God's word, claims that Jesus was, was raised from the dead. 
Maybe we haven't met Jesus physically, but with the eyes of faith through his word, we have met Jesus spiritually, and we know he lives, and by faith, our faith uh, one day will be confirmed with sight, seeing Jesus personally. So with that said, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 20, because the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 20, the Apostle Paul deals with this question, this conspiracy that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Let's read this together, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 20. Here he says, now if, okay, so just remember, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Here it is. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Father God, we rejoice in the resurrection of Christ and we want to just follow through on the Apostles Paul. Paul's hypothetical argument this morning. Uh, he's teaching the Corinthians about the resurrection of Christ, but he's using this hypothetical, this if argument, that if he isn't raised from the dead, there's grave implications, and it helps us to understand how important, how pivotal Jesus' being raised from the dead is. And today, we, re we rejoice, we just lift up our voices in praise that you took Jesus out of that grave, raised him to life, and he is today at your right hand interceding on our behalf. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you see, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and if you know anything about them, they're a struggling church. They're having a tough time. Uh, they're living in an area uh, that is Greek, uh, predominantly Greek, and the Greeks um, don't believe in bodily resurrection of the dead. They, their belief was uh, in no immortality for one's body. They, th they thought the soul might enter an eternal state, but not the body. However, we, we look at the scriptures and we discover clearly that the, it teaches that the body and soul will be raised again after resurrection, or uh, through resurrection. And so with this church in a Greek culture, with a Greek belief systems and teachers, uh, philosophical teachers trying to say that there's no such thing as resurrection, these Christians, young Christians not to forget, started to doubt of Christ's resurrection. And for us uh, here on this side of Christ's resurrection, we look back with clarity and understand that 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ is pivotal. It's a pivotal moment in all of history. It's the most central point to our faith, to Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus promised that he would suffer, promised that he would die, and he promised that he would rise again. You look through the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all talk about Jesus talking about the fact that he was going to, be, uh, going to suffer, going to die, and going to be raised. And because these things were fulfilled, we're able to trust that he is God. And we would believe every word that he ever said. If he didn't rise, why would we believe anything else? Because he said he was going to. Because he rose from the, the grave, we can live with full assurance that our sins are forgiven. If he didn't rise, how can we be sure that he would forgive sins? God would forgive our sins because it was based on his work at Calvary. We have a living Savior. Because he rose from the grave, he defeated death. And therefore, we can live with assurance that we, too, will be raised. What a technicolor picture 1 Corinthians paints of what life would be like without a resurrection of Christ. These 20 verses, verses 1 to 19, these if verses, if he didn't rise, what a picture. But Paul speaks so uh, profoundly using a really great tool. He speaks hypothetically. Speaks hypothetically about a life without a resurrection. Let's contemplate that for just a couple minutes. And Jesus, what if he hadn't been raised from the dead? And so we have three catastrophic truths, hypothetical, that would be realities without Jesus having been risen from the dead. The first one is, without the resurrection, we'd have no purpose. No purpose in life whatsoever. Verse 12 and 13. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no res resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So, we see these Christians. They're doubting. But call, Paul gives them a really, I think, unique answer to their doubts. If this promise is not true, then Jesus himself was not risen from the dead. And if Christ is not risen, then everything we believe is pointless. Do you get that? If we can't see, if we, if we don't see Christ risen, he, all that he taught and all that we're supposed to be in life is pointless. If, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is no comforter for our hearts in times of trouble. If the scriptures are not trustworthy that Jesus rose from the dead, then no scripture is worth listening to. No scripture is trustworthy. And if we don't, if we don't serve a risen Savior, then we have no hope of eternal life. Wouldn't that be awful? No hope that when this life is over, when we shut our eyes here, we open to nothing? Look what Paul said in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. So first of all, we'd have no purpose. Secondly, our preaching 
would be pointless. Now, preaching is the sharing of God's word. And yes, I'm included in that. I'm a preacher. And there are thousands and thousands of preachers around the world today proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. If he didn't rise from the dead, what, what are we talking about? What a waste of time. My, my standing up here and talking to my dear friends would be pointless, useless. Even worse, all our preaching would be filled with lies if Christ did not rise from the dead. If this, if this amazing moment in history didn't happen, we might as well say, okay, service is over, let's go home. It's pointless. However, we know the truth. Jesus is alive. So, First and foremost, our preaching would be pointless. But secondly, our faith, our, in, in essence, all of our faith would be pointless. And if Christ has not been raised, then our faith is in vain, Paul tells us. We'd be no different than though, uh, anyone else who carves an idol and prays to that idol. Idol is dead. Idol is nothing. Uh, we would be praying to no one who is alive to hear are praying. We would serve, witness, give, uh, come to church regularly. It all would be a waste of time. How depressing is that? Wouldn't it be absolutely devastating to learn that everything you believed in, everything you did for God was pointless because Christ had not been raised from the dead? So our preaching would be pointless. Our faith would be pointless. And lastly, our message would be meaningless. He says in verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Masterful argument. This very, very uh, amazing man of God that really helped to centralize the church in its thinking about God, theology, truth about Christ, was able to say, if this hadn't happened, this would be the case. And he's saying our message would be meaningless. Have you ever told somebody about Jesus? Shared with them how Christ has changed your life? Shared with others that Jesus will forgive their sins and make them whole? Well, that'd be meaningless if Christ has not been raised from the dead. However, we know the truth. Jesus is alive. Amen. Paul was qualified to talk about this, very qualified. Because you want somebody to talk about important subjects who know what they're talking about. The Apostle Paul was more qualified to address this subject than many other people. Listen to Paul when he talked about all those people that had met the risen Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, the ver a little bit below, before this, verses 3 to 9. For I delivered to you as a of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, he's saying, 
though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, listen to this, as to one untimely board, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Paul met him face to face, personally. And he changed his life. See, Paul was uh, of the greatest Jewish pedigree. He was uh, what was known as a Pharisee of Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he talks about his pedigree in Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where he says that I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. This is the pedigree of pedigree. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to... Righteousness under the law, blameless. Here's a man who had done all the religious right things. He met every religious criteria to be what was, in the the Jew's mind, like a perfect guy. But he was still lost and in his sin until he met Jesus. He was on that road to Damascus where he was going to arrest and maybe kill some Christians. They were called the way. And he said, I'm going to go get those guys and bring them back to Jerusalem and we'll deal with them. And on that way, Jesus stepped in front of him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And at that moment of meeting the risen Lord, his life was changed forever. Here's a man who was at the top of his game, religion. But then... He met Jesus, and he came into a relationship with the risen Lord. And this was the case for all of the Lord's uh, apostles. Each accepted the call to be a disciple of Christ. Each willingly denied themselves and moved out to tell others about Jesus. And they continued to serve him uh, after his resurrection and ascension because they had seen him resurrected and alive, and most of them died preaching the risen Christ. I, I, I've heard this quote before. It says, many people have given their lives for what they believe in, but no sane person is willing to sacrifice their life for something they know to be a lie. Isn't that true? If you knew something was a lie and somebody held a gun at your head and said, do you really believe this? Because if you do, I'm going to kill you. You would probably say, no, I was just kidding. No, no, that's not what I believe. And these men and women over the centuries have stood before people who said the same thing to them, and they said, no, I know the risen Lord. Apostle uh, Paul knew the risen Christ. Even after Jesus' body was moved, or after his resurrection, the um, religious elite say, he, his body has been removed. And let's, let's make sure this happens. Uh, uh, Matthew 28, 12 to 14, they, they confided together to build this elaborate story that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but his body was stolen away. It says in Matthew 28, 12, and when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers, ones that were guarding him. 
And they said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Again, I say, if this had been true, why would James, the apostle of Jesus, have in, not have admitted it before he was actually beheaded for Christ? What about Peter, who was crucified upside down? Because he knew the risen Lord. And others would have admitted it before they were martyred. But these men, and like I said, so many others, gave their lives for what they knew to be true from firsthand experience and for meeting Christ. Today, here we are, and, and thousands around the world are gathering because we know for a fact that Jesus' resurrection is not a myth, it's not a fairy tale, it's a fact, it's reality. And you know it's a reality because all you have, although you have not seen him with your eyes, you have met him by faith in his word. And he has changed your life. He's given you hope. He's given you purpose. And what you say to others about him is not in vain. So our faith would be pointless if Christ had not been raised. Secondly, without the resurrection, we would have no pardon, no forgiveness of sin. What a, what a terrible way to, li to live life, knowing that there's no way my sins can be forgiven. It says in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul goes on to say, if Jesus isn't alive, then we're lost in our sins and we're bound for an eternity of separation from the Father, which is hell. No salvation, no justification or sanctification, no hope of ever being glorified. The miracle, the messages, the ministry of Jesus, all for nothing. Without the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life, we have no way to possess true hope and fulfilling joy. And then lastly, Paul says, without the resurrection, we would have no peace. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians 15, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. One of the greatest single benefits next to our sins being forgiven uh, with the resurrection of Christ is that we can have uh, hope that one day our loved ones who know Jesus and ourselves who know Jesus, when we open our eyes in heaven, uh, when we open our eyes after death, we are in heaven. Uh, we will have the peace of that heavenly rest forever and ever. And don't we want peace? If Christ is not risen, the promise of eternal life in heaven is a lie. Heaven itself becomes a lie. I don't know how you can enjoy this life without a sense of knowing that when this life is done, there is a life with the Father, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, that will be filled with peace and more purpose to glorify God forever. But if Christ is not alive, then we have nothing to base our assurance on. Our eternal security is not secure at all if Christ has not risen. 
He says it so well in verse 19. If, Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all of people most to be pitied. He says it so well, doesn't he? If Christ did not rise, we're to be pitied. If Jesus has not risen, then we have wasted every minute of our life. We've lived for him. We've believed a lie. We have no hope in heaven. And we are headed to be separated from Father forever. No purpose, no pardon, and no peace. But I am thankful with you, with all of us here, as we read this passage, we get to verse 20. It doesn't end with verse 19. It comes to verse 20 where it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Isn't that exciting? Paul has created his full loop of an argument saying, if this is true, then we're pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus promised he'd rise from the dead, and he did. Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave because of his finished work on Calvary. Those who belong to him possess victory as well. Because Christ is risen, we have purpose in life. Because Jesus is risen, we have been eternally pardoned. Because Jesus is risen, we are able to possess peace in this life and hope for the next. Because he is risen, our preaching is not pointless, our life is not futile, our faith is not futile, and our message is not meaningless. Most of all, we can look forward to the day when we stand face to face with our risen Lord. Do you look forward to that? Do you want to meet Jesus face to face? You've got to know him. It only, this hope only belongs to those who have been born again. That they've had a life that was dead spiritually and been renewed by faith in Christ. Resurrection work. If you don't know Jesus, you can't possess this hope concerning eternity, concerning meeting him face to face. But this doesn't mean you're without hope. Today could be the day that changes your eternity. Maybe you're here in church for the very first time in years and you have never really stepped out in faith and said, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And you've confessed your sin to him and he has wiped your sins away with the blood of the Lamb. He has cleansed you with his shed blood. No matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you have done, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is this message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, is for you. Jesus died for you because... He loves you. He loves you. He knows you need what he's done for, for you. But you need to step out in faith. Will you step out in faith today and trust in his work at Calvary? Trust in the fact that he is not a dead Savior. He is living and just calling you to trust in him. So because Jesus lives, we have purpose in life. We have been pardoned. We have peace, power, and we have so many reasons to praise his name. 
Bible says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you trusted in Jesus and what he's done for you? In him alone. Let me leave you with one last scripture for today. 1 Peter 1.3, the apostle who was killed for Jesus, who was martyred, who would not be crucified like Jesus. He was not worthy, he said. And they say he was turned upside down at his request and was murdered because he trusted in the risen Lord. He said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, we celebrate, not in the hypothetical if, we celebrate the truth that Jesus is risen indeed. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this moment we've had together to be reminded of the value, the, the pinnacle moment of spiritual life, and that is found in Jesus alone and in his resurrection. We thank you that he is at your right hand interceding on behalf of all of us. We pray today that every soul in this room, every soul watching online will just check their heart and, and, and ask themselves the question, have I put my faith and trust in Christ alone, wholly in him alone? And if the answer is yes, praise God. And if the answer is no, help each one of those people to get on their knees, the knees of their heart, confess their sin, and trust Christ for salvation, him alone. And we will rejoice as with many around this world that Jesus is alive and Jesus is the Savior. In whose name we pray, amen.